It's Wednesday, October 30th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Protesters in Lebanon and Iraq are demanding new governments and major economic reforms. And young people are at the center of both movements. Then a new survey says a lot more people could be at risk from global sea level rise than previously thought. And finally, we'll take to the skies with some eagles that might be about to get their cell phones taken away. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Beauty Counter. The most complicated story today is about the Middle East. Protests have erupted in Iraq and Lebanon, calling attention to a general, how should we say, dissatisfaction with the governments of those two countries. So today we're going to get into what's happening in Iraq and Lebanon and how Iran is getting involved. Yeah, Iran, because some people are saying there's more going on here than meets the eye. Let's start with Lebanon. You might have read about it this morning in the Daily Skim. Yesterday, the Lebanese prime minister said, I'm out. His actual words were, I've reached a dead end. Saad Hariri resigned after almost two weeks of anti-government protests in Lebanon. The protests all started when the government proposed a tax on WhatsApp. You know, the app that lets you text and make calls for free. The government said it was just trying to make some money to avoid a financial crisis. But protesters said the tax was the final straw after years of corruption and inequality in the country. A third of Lebanese people live below the poverty line. And protesters don't think the government is doing enough to help them. So hundreds of thousands of people ended up taking to the streets, blocking major roads and forcing banks, schools, and offices to close. But there were some lighthearted moments in these protests. Like when demonstrators banded together to sing Baby Shark to a fellow protester's scared kid. But for the most part, these protests got more intense as Lebanese protesters demanded the resignations of Hariri and the rest of his government. Hariri tried to fix it. He nixed the WhatsApp tax shortly after the protests erupted. And he suggested reforms that would take on corruption and shake up the economy. But demonstrators saw these as empty promises. So protests continued. Yesterday, Hariri finally gave in to the protesters' demands and stepped down. Protesters were pretty pumped, but without anyone lined up to take Hariri's place and with people insisting they'll continue their protests, Lebanon could just be facing more problems down the line. So that's what's going on in Lebanon. What's going on in Iraq? There's also anti-government protests going on over there. It's unclear whether there was a single event that led to these protests, but they started at the beginning of the month. Iraqis are speaking out against government corruption, high unemployment, and demanding a vote for new members of parliament. But unlike in Lebanon, Iraq's prime minister has refused to step down or call for new elections. And protesters have mobilized more as the demonstrations continue. That's because the police have gotten really violent. Since the protests started, nearly 250 people have been killed, and thousands have been injured by the police. A government investigation found that 70% of those killed were shot in the head or chest. With so much violence and so much frustration over how Iraq's security forces have acted, it's not clear what could actually bring these protests to an end, unless protesters get what they want. 
which could be why Iraq's neighbor Iran is getting involved. Iran isn't happy with either of these big protests happening in their neighborhood. Like we said, the protests in both Iraq and Lebanon are against the government. And those governments have a lot of connections that trace back to Iran. So if they're facing problems, then Iran is kind of facing problems too. And Iran's already in a tough spot. Remember, the US has been sanctioning Iran over its nuclear program and Iran's alleged attacks on Saudi Arabia's oil. Here's President Trump announcing new sanctions on Iran last month. These are the highest sanctions ever imposed on a country. We've never done it to this level. Those sanctions have crippled Iran's economy. And now, if the protests in Iraq and Lebanon succeed in pushing Iran's friends out of power, Iran's influence in the region could take a major hit, too. It's not clear what Iran might do to protect its interests. But there are reports Iranian militias in Iraq may be behind some of the deaths of protesters. If that's true, it would be a pretty heavy-handed way to try and stop these demonstrations. And as Iran starts to take heat for that, it's blaming a predictable foe. Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei, said today that the U.S. was responsible for encouraging the protests and that the U.S. and its allies in the region are, quote, making chaos. Which goes to show that even though Iraqi and Lebanese protesters are demanding solutions to local problems, they're making an impact on the whole region, too. So what's the skin? These protests in Iraq and Lebanon are taking place in parts of the world where a lot of bigger battles are going on, like religious conflicts or standoffs like the one between Iran and the U.S. More and more, analysts see evidence of those big geopolitical battles playing out in both Iraq and Lebanon. But the conditions individual people are facing there shouldn't be forgotten. The economies in both of these countries are really struggling. In Lebanon, youth unemployment is estimated to be 30%. In Iraq, it's 25%. And it turns out, the leaders of both protests are mostly young people. They came of age in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. And many worry they may never find their feet unless their governments make major changes. Seeing what's going on in Iraq and Lebanon from that angle can make these faraway protests feel a little closer to home. Something else that's going to hit close to home? Rising sea levels. That's next. Looking for clean makeup? Try Beauty Counter. From moisturizers to makeup, cleansers to sunscreen, Beauty Counter is at the forefront of using clean ingredients to create products that are effective and really work. Go now to beautycounter.com and see all the cleaner and safer products you could be using. That's beautycounter.com. You know what they say. It's always good to double-check your work. Yesterday, a new report came out that says, by 2050, sea levels are going to rise and affect more people than originally thought. Like, three times more people. Before this new research came out, older estimates said that rising sea levels would impact about 80 million people. Now, that number is 300 million people. That's the number of people who will experience severe floods at least once a year. That's a pretty dramatic difference. And it means that major coastal areas could be underwater or nearly disappear. Places like Bangkok in Thailand, Shanghai in China, or Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. These are economic centers and homes to millions of people. So who needs to review their work here? Turns out, there wasn't really a math error at all. Dr. Scott Culp is a senior computational scientist at Climate Central and the lead author of this new report. 
what really kept us from seeing the complete picture was strangely simple. For most of the world, we really didn't know the exact height of the ground beneath our feet. Previous data from NASA that calculated ground elevations contained big errors, like that the trees or the tops of buildings sometimes got counted instead of the actual land beneath them, which made a lot of land look like it was higher above sea level than it actually was. Now, thanks to some clever AI, Hope's new dataset tries to factor out those trees or buildings for more accurate readings. Unfortunately, that new data is really bad news for people in these low-lying areas. More coastal communities may need to prepare for the worst, meaning we may be hearing phrases like large-scale migration or climate refugees sooner rather than later. But Culp does see some silver linings. He hopes his report pushes more countries to perform super accurate laser measurements of coastal elevations and release that data to the public, like the U.S. does. And if the thought of millions more people needing to flee rising seas is a scary one, he says now there's an even bigger incentive to act to fight climate change. We got some big hump day news today from the Federal Reserve about interest rates. Because today the Fed lowered rates for the third time this year, this time by a quarter of 1%. Interest rates are basically the cost of borrowing money. When they're low, it's cheaper for people like business owners or prospective homeowners to take out loans, which is great because when rates are high, the cost of borrowing that money and having to repay it might hold them back. So not great for them, or the economy. But interest rate cuts like the one today can sometimes send mixed messages. If lowering the rate kickstarts more lending and borrowing, it could lead to more spending and job creation. But if the Fed chose to cut rates because it sees something bad coming down the road for the economy, people can get nervous because why would a perfect economy need help in the first place? The Fed usually isn't chatty, but it hinted today that we might not need more rate cuts in the near future. That's a good sign that the U.S. economy might be strong enough to get through ongoing trade wars or bad economic news overseas. If you want to learn more about how interest rate cuts affect your wallet, we've got you covered. Just head on over to theskim.com money. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact courtesy of an unexpected phone bill. So there's this team of Russian scientists tracking the migration patterns of some endangered eagles. They do that by equipping the eagles with GPS trackers that send location data via text message. But turns out, some of those eagles love to roam. Literally, they flew off the grid way further than expected. And the scientists were hit with a huge phone bill that blew their entire budget. We're talking 77 cent text messages from Iran instead of the three cent messages they planned for. Luckily, the phone company cut the scientists a deal. And now a crowdfunding campaign is collecting money for future flights so the eagles don't get their phones taken away the next time they take to the skies.
And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we want to let you know about a new episode from our other podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. In this week's show, our co-founders and CEOs, Carly and Danielle, sat down with Amy Nelson, the co-founder of The Riveter, a modern membership community built by women for everyone. They talk about the impact of motherhood when launching a company and Amy's take on the notion of women having it all. Listen to the new episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.